right, welcome in to Week 8 Waiver Wire Report, the Fantastics Insider Football Podcast, episode number 18. Dan Claskins, James Adams, back with you this week. We're here every week of the season, dropping this on Tuesday nights. We've got you covered on weekend mornings, Saturday, starting at 11 a.m. Eastern, too, over at SiriusXM Fantasy at InsiderFootball.com anytime. You can subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, and more. But here we are. We have reached uh, not quite the halfway point because technically it's a longer season. So week eight is no longer that mark, but we're getting there. We got through the biggest bye week of this season. The injuries, not terrible coming out of this week. A lot of statement games for NFL teams, fantasy teams making them in leagues alike and James, I don't know about you, bro, but as I worked my way through uh, my 16 season long weeks today, I was actually thinking to myself, it's like, gosh, I got one team, one team out of 16 that has just gone wrong in every way. And it's sitting at one and six. But dude, I only got two other teams out of that whole mix that's got less than four wins right now. I, I mean, I'm not trying to, to, I mean, there's a lot of ways, long ways to go here, but I'm looking at my standings and I'm like, I'm in good shape in some of these spots. I'm starting to feel pretty good about some of my drafts. Now, you know, all of it can change around. And as I said, I mean, some things are more trend than mirage with some of these teams. I'm not going to lie, but pretty good for me. How's your league shaping out so far, buddy? I think I've got only one team that's a one-win team. That would be our Get Sports Info Auction League that uh, I like that team, honestly, on I remember, dude. You were like crowning a champion that night. Well, shocker. I think I probably won week one, too. That's probably been the only win. Uh, I've got a couple two-win teams. I can't say that everyone else is above that four-win mark except for a couple. But, yeah, I kind of did the uh, the old mid-season-ish audit, if you will. And, you know, for high-stakes leagues, it really is mid-season or past that. Um, did the audit there, and I was like, hey, you know what? I've got some teams that you remember me uh, kind of boo-hooing about not getting some wins early in the year but still got some points. And so, yeah, I'm feeling pretty good about it. And, look, I was saying, hey, I can't wait until – by Mageddon, by NATO, whatever you want to call it, because I felt like I built a bunch of good teams with a bunch of good depth, and uh, well, certainly helps when you have uh, the likes of Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase linking up for mm. you in some connection in some bigger leagues. But I did pretty good, man. I'm, uh, I'm, hey, I'm ready to continue momentum that I think I've started to build. Yeah, I, I mean, dude, I've got Jamar Chase on like a third of my season long teams. And honestly, I was backing off of in mid August cause I had so many shares already and the news flow was going the wrong direction. But a uh, big part of my success probably is the fact I got Joe Burrow probably is the fact that I considered Antonio Brown in the later rounds and some of these other players that are consistent across it. And we'll get into a lot of those guys that are helping all of your rosters. And certainly uh, it's interesting with Jamar chase. I mean, it's been so good, James, it's been so good for Jamar chase that nobody's even talking about Kyle Pitts anymore as being this rookie difference maker. But as I was crunching the numbers after his monster performance this week, 471 yards through six games. That's 78.5 yards a game. And if he were to play the full 17 this season, my friend, that put him on track for over 1,300 yards receiving. You go back to our Sirius XM show, maybe even here on the podcast, it's sort of a blur where I said it, maybe both places, but... Whenever we did bold predictions, that was one of my boldest predictions. He'd be the first rookie receiver to hit that mark since Mike Ditka. And it's amazing to me that he's over 300 yards on base to project it. And everybody and their brother saying that the rookie of the year is already over. And we're in week seven. That tells you how good Jamar Chase has been. What a special class. And then you get Najee Harris, who 
Yeah, I mean, uh, granted, Pittsburgh's been pretty brutal. And uh, Harris certainly has had some ups and downs. But, I mean, even with six games in the bye week, fantasy points in general, he's RB11. And if you go to fantasy points per game and switch it over to PPR scoring, which obviously most of us play in those formats, Najee Harris himself a top five running back in fantasy points per game. So actually coming in uh, tied for third with Alvin Kamara in PPR game at points per game at 20.2 PPR points. So what a freaking rookie class these guys have been. Yeah. um, I don't know if the whole class is going to be as awe-inspiring as maybe some other classes we've seen, but I will certainly say that I I saw a tweet out there over the weekend that the dynasty – Tight end one, RB one, wide receiver one, all might be rookies this year, and that might well be the case moving forward. Um, boy, Pitts, I uh, I swung and missed on that one, Dan, and I'll be honest with you, tight end, I'm not really doing great at this year. That's kind of a weak spot. Pitts would have been a good take because you were too come... busy grabbing Darren Waller everywhere, dude. I think I owe you a favor because you <laughs> took so many Darren Waller shares from in our mutual leagues, less my lessened my exposure to him. Now he's been better than George Kittle, but uh, it's been a it's been a crapshoot at tight end. Let's be yep. honest. Uh, but either way, uh, my takeaways coming out of this week's action when we saw Jamar Chase with his two hundred and one yard performance, we saw Kyle Pitts have his career best day, and Najee Harris. I mean, he's just getting more and more involved in that offense. I, I just had the thought about man, how good this is. Obviously, the other big takeaway for me from this week were. The Kansas City chumps. I mean, or, I mean Chiefs. Uh, t- seriously, dude. I mean, we knew the defense sucked. We knew they didn't have a running game, but now Mahomes just looks really dicey here. This good eased up schedule. Luckily, he's already cleared the concussion protocol. But the way they got beat these past two weeks, you have to wonder. Like, is this team even going to make the playoffs this year at this point? They got to write a lot of things. The AFC's got a lot of good teams in it. So I, I don't know. I'm not, everybody's like, I mean, I get it. He's not putting up the epic numbers, but even with this week's disappointment, I mean, you're still talking about QB2 right now in fantasy and Patrick Mahomes. I mean, there's only two quarterbacks that have had more QB1 finishes than the uh, group of people like Mahomes that have had four of them through seven weeks. So it hasn't been terrible. I'm not convinced it's going to last offensively. I do think the Chiefs as a team sort of suck. But if you're holding on, uh, you know, Tyreek Hill's not going to stay down this long. And how healthy has he been these past couple of weeks? How much has a factor has this been in it? I mean, he, you know, he's been dinged up. And if you watched that game at all, James, Tyreek Hill, I mean, with the injury, you know, he's been on and off with this, with this, uh, what is it, a quad issue? Uh, I'm pretty sure it's a quiz quad. Whatever it is, he's been on the injury report now and barely practiced for two weeks. So I think with, with him hobbled, and really, I mean, Darrell Williams has been nice. I mean, I know Clyde Edwards-Hilaire is not special, but, I mean, they're just doubling up Kelsey, putting pressure and getting in the face of Mahomes behind this injured line, and it's equal to total mess for this Kansas City offense. I wasn't shocked at what happened there. I was shocked at the way it happened because the reality was, and it is a quad with Tyreek Hill, uh, I had Tennessee win in that game. Um, I mean, when we're talking about game outcomes, there wasn't really anything that shocked me. It was more about the way they happened. And that well, Kansas yeah. City outcome was shocking. It wasn't just they won. It was they They did not them. compete. Yeah, and yeah. that's uh, that's just crazy, man. I, this Kansas City team, it seems like uh, you know the general consensus right now is that they want to take the entire field in one play, and they're 
you know, teams are forcing him to go underneath. Because, look, you talk about Tyreek Hill, but he still had, I don't know, what was it, 10 targets or whatever it was, nine targets last week? I mean, he was still heavily involved in the game planning, but whatever it is, that team just stinks. In the running game, it ain't happening with Williams. Um, I don't know. I think this team could still find a way to get into the postseason. We'll see what they do in division if the Raiders and the Broncos uh, have any fight, but there still could be some easy division wins. So I'm not ready to bury them yet, but so far, so bad. Yeah. No, I'm not burying them at all. I think uh, as long as they stay healthy, their studs will continue to be fantasy studs in the long run. But we got to talk about our who days a little bit. Uh, Absolutely. Goodness gracious, dude. I mean, there hasn't been a buzz like this around this team here in Cincinnati. And probably since the 2005 Bengals. I mean, I know they had a good run in 2015 of uh, surprising uh, undefeated start there, but the way that they're doing it with their offensive line over doing what we, and James, we talked about this in the preseason too. I mean, people were just dismissing Jonah Williams as being a bust. I'm like, dude, the guy got hurt his rookie season. You're talking about a high pedigree first round pick. Riley Reef graded well. Jackson Carmen, the second round pick that got butchered for, has just been magnificent. Good. I mean, yeah, everybody's talking about Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase. They're grabbing the headlines, but it's been this line giving them time, opening up holes in that running game. It's been this defense with five free agent starters that have made an impact, that have made this team legit. And, dude, talk about a team that didn't just win. The fact that they went into Baltimore gave them the largest margin of victory in the verse Baltimore in team history, beat Lamar Jackson worse than he's ever been beat, sacked Lamar Jackson more than he's ever been sacked. It was so bad. Both teams put their scrubs in for half of the fourth quarter. And, dude, I loved every minute of it. As you know, I did too. I'm not going to let you mention 3-0 linemen without saying Hopkins in Spain. Mr. Undrafted Quentin Spain has been a beast as well, and Hopkins coming along at center. They've all played much better than would be expected. And a lot of that has to do with the fact that, you know, I think the defense now, let's face it, they have to worry about three guys all in the four, CJ Uzama Uzama to go along with the three receivers. And and so that doesn't allow them to bring as much pressure. And that makes things easier on the offensive line, because not only do they have fewer people to to, to block, but they don't have to figure out who's who, because if they come up and fool around at the front of the, the the line of scrimmage, those safeties that are falling off those linebackers that are falling off they're getting beat by chase and uzama so it was a beautiful thing you talked about the d-line for the bengals the way they it wasn't just what they did to lamar but the way they corralled him a lot of times they wouldn't flush him forward they'd get to the spot upfield where they were rushing and they would stop and then they would make him make a maneuver they wouldn't allow him to squeeze past them and kind of lose that contain from a north south uh direction as opposed to your typical east-west contain but wasn't surprised that the Bengals went there and competed we both talked about the fact that both teams had played a lot of close games and but the way that they dominated them I mean look I was surprised um you know I was one of the guys that said they should take Panay Sewell I was wrong and I'm cool with that that was a great day um I gotta be honest though Dan not shocked with what they did just shocked at the difference in the margin at the end. I mean, the fact that they just continue to pour it on. Because up until like, the, the, the two first drafts of the first second half, it was a very back and forth game. And then that's when the Bengals kind of said, "Okay, you know what? We we we're going to keep pushing it forward." And you guys are done. It's taken them uh, a little bit to get started in all their games, but yeah, they've only lost two games. They lost them both by a field goal. And I mean, Joe Burrow has just looked great coming back. His presence in the pocket. He has thrown some poor passes, including a, a terrible Eight pick. picks. I think it's nine now. 
I think it's it was nine. It nine. I thought he had eight. Either way, it's more than one a game. I mean, that's definitely been the problem. Yeah. So, and, but Chase has been good. The problem is, is as good as things are for the Bengals and their offense, it's not really great for fantasy because there's just too much going on. And I mean, Jamar Chase obviously locked in. Burrow himself, we're seeing the passing volume go up here a little bit more. So he's, he's still on the back end of that QB1 conversation, top 15 QB as of today, but on the rise. And Mixon, I mean, I know P. Ryan's getting in there a little bit this week and against the Lions, both, uh, I think both of those instances were games where, you know, Mixon's dealing with coming off this ankle issue. They're up big. I mean, Mixon would have had more love in the fourth quarter, but for the Bengals, they don't want to run Joe Mixon 20, 25 times. They're going to be a team playing football in January. So, and target wise, I mean, yeah, CJ Uzama's nice, but. He's still not getting a ton of targets. I mean, he, he you can't use him in fantasy unless you're desperate. In deeper leagues, he can. I actually used him and picked him up in our auction league you were talking about before as a bye week filler and got him in the lineup just at the right time. I've got him in the Scott Fishbowl, which is a tight end premium twenty two team uh, twenty two man roster. Which, by the way, uh, speaking of teams that's doing well, James moved up to number thirteen overall over there out of the thousands of participants this week, but. Uh, but, dude, I'll tell you right now, the, the thing is, Boyd, we talked about that. I mean, it's hard to put him in the lineup. It was nice to see mm-hmm. T. Higgins get those targets. And uh, definitely looking forward to that as well. And so as we wrap up uh, thoughts on week seven, let's turn our attention over to some of those pesky injury situations and some of the headlines going around the league. And, James, as we come on the air here tonight, there are some breaking reports that are a developing situation. So by the time some listen to this podcast, these details can change as they could with any of these injuries. But sure, the Houston Chronicle reported on Tuesday that the Dolphins and the Texans have agreed to terms on a trade for Deshaun Watson, but the Dolphins want clarity on his legal issues before going through it. This uh, from a tweet uh, uh, coming out uh, later earlier this afternoon from Barry Jackson uh, on Twitter at Flash Sports Buzz, Houston Chronicle talking about the deal, suggests Ross wants clarity on the potential length of the suspension and potential suspension. But in terms of uh, Roger Goodell speaking on Tuesday, said the league does not necessarily have enough information to put him on the uh, commissioner's exempt list yet. So this does confirm Watson is eligible to play. And uh, it is a situation that will be monitored. It's becoming more and more apparent that he's going to get traded at the trade deadline. I think I'm starting to believe that. The question is, will he play this year? If so, how much? Who it will be for? So we're getting clarity that the Dolphins have emerged here, which then begs the question, what becomes of Tua Tagovailoa, who's, by the way, coming off one of his career best days and uh, somebody that very well could be part of this deal somewhere. So I don't know. The league doesn't have enough information from law enforcement investigations, so they can't do anything right now, And uh, which is basically code for them saying, we're waiting to see if he gets charged and we'll then piggyback off of that. Yeah, I do. I have no no idea what to make of it. I think my get, best guess, and that's all it is, you know, at first glance, you're like, oh, well, if you're Miami, this is the perfect time to go get him because if you can't use him this year, you let him ride your your – his suspension out after you make the trade. Guess what? You're already one in six. I think they are now. So you, you know you're you're looking for draft pick, and then you go. Oh wait, they don't have their draft pick. It goes to Philadelphia. So maybe sitting on uh, you know maybe moving Tua and just tanking on this season 
isn't as logical as you first thought. Now, of course, it'll make the second round pick. I haven't dug into how many of their picks they've moved, but I know they don't have their first pick. So it's just a it's just a curious situation. You've got to think that there will be some kind of outside pressure on the NFL if he is indeed made active and ready to play by Miami. I'd be which shocked if he doesn't get a few games at least, just based off the allegations alone. I mean, Ben Roethlisberger, how many years? Of course. Back? With all that in the bathroom and the girl he held in there. There was never charges there, and he played, played six games, I believe. I have trouble thinking Watson plays much more than a game or two if he gets to play it all this year. I would have no interest. Even in uh, a super flex league, I really wouldn't have much interest. Houston's not going to play him, so he's not going to play until he's traded. That that seems clear to me. I personally don't think it's worth uh, the headache of the risk. Fair enough. Fair enough there. Let's get into some of the other news. Uh Things that we have a little bit more clarity on than that situation. Some injury situations coming out of the week. Some of the latest buzz around the league on that. And uh, we'll start at quarterback. New injuries this week. Zach Wilson rolled out in the second quarter. Mike White came in relief. They traded for Joe Flacco yesterday. The Jets are a mess. Uh, And the Bengals. Speaking of our uh, Bengals team here, James, uh, they're playing at New York this week. So, the good things will keep on rolling there. Uh, Baker Mayfield, we're keeping our eyes on him with the shoulder issue he missed last week. They're calling him week to week. I think it's going to be more Case Keenum here in week eight versus the Steelers, but we shall see. And Tyrod Taylor resuming practice this week, still being called week to week. I don't know. I guess in super flex leagues where you're desperate, maybe you're thinking about him. But uh, the way Davis Mills is looking, I, I don't see the the point in uh, – putting Tyrod Taylor, hesitating to put him back in for a couple games if you're the Texans. I will say this. Uh, I'm done getting teased into teasing the Texans two weeks in a row. I, c- I can't get enough points to think about doing it a third time because uh, they can't score, dude. They are terrible. <laughs> so unless uh, Tyrod Taylor comes back in here. But, I mean, you're avoiding the Jets anyway. This is sort of a buzzkill for Corey Davis if you've been using and that's him. that's it. That's it, though. Michael and maybe Car- it's not. Like, what if Joe Flacco comes in there? Can he, it can't get any worse, can it? Like, yeah. I, I don't know. Yeah, it can. I, I don't think it gets any. Well, okay. <laughs> and in Cleveland, I mean, we'll talk about running back situation here, but Baker Mayfield, I mean, his chances of finishing this season. I mean, I appreciate the fact he thinks he's going to go out there, but the fact they've held him out now, this isn't going to get any better. Uh, so I don't know. I, Case Keenum a player that uh, is going to definitely be viable option on the waiver wire, especially in super flex leagues, actually in the uh, Scott Fishbowl, which is a super flex where I had Baker Mayfield. I went really heavy on my fab to, to make sure I got case Keenum there. Uh, Cause I didn't want to get left without a quarterback. Now, I mean, he's like my QB three, so I'm not sweating it that much, but at the end of the day, uh, Something to monitor there. Running backs are where the injuries always are at that are a little bit more uh, discussion-worthy, and there's a slew of big names that we didn't even play last week that we'll, we'll obviously be monitoring as the week goes ahead. Uh, Nick Chubb, the good news there, it looks like even though he missed Thursday night's game, James, uh, last week, he'll be back in the mix for Cleveland. So with his return, Dearness Johnson, I mean, it was a nice one-week grab there on the waiver wire, but – if Chubb is back and is the starter, is is Johnson still even in the flex conversation for you? Highly unlikely. I mean, I had to turn to some really garbage options last week. Um, so, I mean, I'd play him over like Marlon Mack, who I had to play last week, but no, not really. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I mean, Kareem Hunt it w- was pretty high up. I mean, I'm not comparing the dude to Kareem Hunt, but I'm just saying like, the Browns had two top tw- 10 fantasy running backs. So the thought of him keeping like flex appeal for a few weeks isn't terrible to me, but 
Yeah, but they got Pittsburgh this week, right? And then that'll be the second of the three weeks that Hunt's got to be on the IR. So if if Hunt's only on the IR for a couple weeks, I mean, which is a fair point. Fair point. Uh, Josh Jacobs, he missed the second half of uh, week seven's game with a chest injury. The Raiders just one of two teams on the bye this week. They couldn't put four last week and four this week, James. They had to do six and two. So it's just the Ravens and Raiders this week. It's but, hard to put a schedule together. I'm not going to get too upset about that. I know that there's a lot of money that goes into yeah, it. Yeah, so Jacobs is expected back, though, after the bye. So Kenyon Drake's getting a little run there, but that could also be short-lived. Miles Sanders was ruled out after suffering an ankle injury. Uh, it doesn't sound like this is going to be an IR situation, more of a low ankle sprain or a lesser ankle sprain, I think would be a, a sufficient way. But Boston Scott might be added in deeper leagues. Kenneth Gainwell becomes a... Maybe a fringe top 25 running back with Sanders' sideline, especially in PPR leagues because he catches the ball. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think that's fair. Um, you know, no real big other news there at running back that we're watching too much. Um, in terms of the running back situation with New England, and we'll get to the waiver wire here in a minute, but gosh, I mean, I was one thing I've learned again this year a fantasy lesson learned, James, that sometimes we forget is like, don't ever trust Bill Belichick with rookie running backs. Ramondre Stevenson, this guy goes from active to healthy scratch. He thought he was going to be involved in the passing game. Then he missed a block, so he's back to an inactive. And then Brandon Bolden's coming out of nowhere and suddenly mm-hmm. like being PPR gold RB2 all of a sudden. You know what? You can trust Harris there, and that's all you can trust. But, boy, Bolden had a massive week. And it's a week where people could have turned to him. But I saw he was actually, like, highly dropped after uh, the week before. So, yeah, I mean, look, you're going to have trouble trusting the Patriots running back situation as a whole. But you can continue to trust Harris, I think. And that's probably it for week to week. But you could take your Bolden flyer if you need to. Uh, Other news and notes. Uh, Gardner Minshew, now the primary backup in this uh, trade, James, to Joe Flacco. And – Jalen Hurts, I mean, from a fantasy perspective, Jalen Hurts has been top five QB. I mean, he's got more QB one weeks than any other quarterback right now. The problem is, James, if he keeps looking as terrible as he does, he's getting it all in garbage time. And Philly keeps losing. He's not going to be here all season. They're they're getting their look at him, and and they're, you know the coaching staff's not adjusting their offense to fit him. So that tells me they're not really sold on him as the future. And I got Hurst in a couple high spots right now to where I got to admit, I'm getting concerned that by the time we get to fantasy playoff time, this guy is sitting on the pine because they're getting a, a, a few weeks of Gardner Minshew action in there as they position themselves for the draft a little bit. I think the film out there on Minshew is what it is. You might be right. Maybe they're going to turn to him. You're absolutely right when your discussion on Hurts being – um fantasy good and real life bad it's ugly but the fantasy numbers continue so as long as he starts you have to play him i don't know why what look what is philly gonna do are they they're there to me not a playoff contender so i don't see why they would want to turn to Minshew. let's see what he's got i guess the film's out there on there there's already been a franchise give up on him so i believe hurt Hertz will be there for the remainder of this season. I don't know where the heck he's going to be next year, though. Yeah, and Jimmy Garoppolo, I mean, I get it was raining. He got the vote of confidence for week eight, but I don't know, dude. I, it's going to – Trey Lance, he's not ready, but they're going to throw him to the Wolves sooner rather than later. So if he was dropped, I might pick him up. And Justin Fields, I mean, it just keeps getting uglier. I, I can't – I can't re- in season-long leagues, I mean, super flex, I guess you, you maybe, but like – I'm done holding on to him in season long leagues. I, I'll, I'll pick. A, I'd rather have Trey Lance in him right now as a stash because I think we've seen what we've seen there. But 
I think he and Davis Mills had uh, like 70 attempts last week and didn't total more than Joe Burrow by them together. Yeah. And their yardage. It was, though both were so ugly. Uh, some news at running back. This was interesting. Cam Akers making very good progress in his recovery. And head coach Sean McVay said Akers may be available if the team makes the postseason this year. So not going to impact fantasy for this year, but at Dynasty owners doing that. And Cordero Patterson, obviously the waiver wire pickup of the year, at least at this point. James, he scored a touchdown on the ground in week seven against the Dolphins becoming the first player since the AFL-NFL merger in 1970 to score 10 rushing touchdowns, 10 receiving touchdowns, and five kickoff returns in a career. That's pretty remarkable. It is, and you figure he's had those he had those uh, return and receiving touchdowns probably a while ago. I mean, wasn't he like a second-round fantasy pick his or second year it, in Minnesota or something like I mean, that? I he was a big, big... Going, it's going back a while, but... Yeah, and then uh, so those are those news and notes I had uh, running back. A receiver, um, definitely the biggest news so far this week is for the COVID. Uh, Vontae mm-hmm. Adams putting on the COVID list. Now Alan Lazard today. It's a Thursday night game for the Packers. Mm-hmm. They're hoping Marquez Valdez-Scantling plays this week. He's eligible to come off IR. He could return from the reserve injured list in time to play, but the receiving core pretty thin here against NFL's only undefeated team. I don't know that we're going to go to the waiver wire and find a receiver there that we're interested in. I think it might be, I don't know, like a secondary tight end, Lewis. Um, Tanyan should be more heavily involved. They should run the ball, right? That was a conversation piece. Oh, that's right. You weren't there Saturday. I was going to say that was a conversation piece we had with uh, with uh, Josh Weinfuss from uh, Arizona. But you, but one way to, to attack that team is – to run the ball at him. So maybe it's a lot of Aaron Jones followed by some AJ Dillon. I don't know what the heck, but I'm not so sure in this week that I'm going to be searching to find a secondary receiver. I mean, let's face it. Green Bay has been trying to find that for a long time and they really haven't put that person in place. I would have thought Alan Lazard would be a good start this week, but now I don't know, man, I think you just stay away from that altogether in that receiving core. Yeah. All right. Well, let's get to the waiver wires, see what's out there. It's slim pickings and, one thing at this time of year, James, we see uh, see it all the time. People sort of get lazy on the waiver wire, right? And, mm-hmm. I mean, last week with the six teams on by, it was probably a little bit more intense, just two buys this week. So might not be as active. Might not be as active as we've seen, but I think we've already hit on a few names. Uh, just looking at the report, I mean, um, Kenneth Gamewell, if he's still out there, Dearness Johnson, these were some names I had written up. I'm guessing those guys aren't available in a lot of leagues. I had Rashawn Bateman. We haven't talked about him, but I mean, he definitely got a lot of targets there in the Bengals, probably mm-hmm. still out there in some leagues. Um, speaking of the Bengals, Samaj P. Ryan looks like he's, you know, nothing else. If Joe Mixon goes down, this guy could be a workhorse. So if he was dropped, maybe I'm picking up him. Boston Scott, we talked about him. Uh, who are you targeting on the waiver wire this week? Because it's pretty slim pickings. Honestly, I'm not. Um, thus far, I really haven't found a team with a massive need or a player I really have to go after. Um, I've already fielded some questions, people looking into the future. And I think this is a week with only two teams on by. Don't be afraid to look into the future. Um, see what you need next week. Uh, if you're like me and you had the Bills defense and I held on to them because of the way they were playing, Whatever, whatever you you picked up as your secondary defense, find something to replace them with. Even if it it could be a, just a dumb luck flyer, but like you did with Mitchell in Week One, and then he ended up being the guy ahead of Sermon that p- panned out big. 
there's no risk. There's no, there's no negative downside to it. So I'm not, to be quite frank, uh, I'm really not. I mean, maybe, you know, if you're looking at, at the future quarterback, Mac Jones, they're finally opening it up a little bit and there's going to be some good matchups for him down the road. But truthfully, there's not, I don't, again, I think this is a week where you kind of hold the, you hold the big bet back. You fold your cards this week if there's nothing you need and you wait for next week. Yeah. I mean, some other names, deeper leagues for those of you that are a little desperate, I think at receiver. I mean, Russell Gage got back on the field, got a deep score against the Dolphins. I picked him up last week. That defense is going to stink. I mean, the guy's a wide receiver five probably for the season, but you know, we're in deeper leagues here, James. I mean, KFFC, 20 roster spots. I'm always churning the roster here a little bit, so... I think he probably offers a non-zero floor on a weekly basis because of what you said their defense too. I get you. Yep, yep. So I had him down. I definitely think Carson Wentz is on the rise. He's out there in a lot of leagues. Even Matt Ryan talking about the Falcons. A couple quarterbacks I think are trending in the right direction. Some veterans that people leave out there could be nice bye week fillers. And I like what you said about looking ahead because yeah, it's just the Ravens and the Raiders on bye this week. But you know, next it's it's about what. That's the key to bye weeks in general, if you ask me, because understanding, like picking up a, a advance of the buy. Um, perfect example in one of my deeper leagues that I play in, the DAV league. I'm in the DAV Ballers. It's a 16 team league. I saw Waller wasn't playing. We haven't. I had an open IR spot the last, you know, last week. I already had the backup tight end on the roster, so I didn't really need it for that. But I went ahead and put him on the IR and picked up the Seahawks defense, which sounds stupid because. You're like, why the hell would you pick up the Seahawks defense? No. Well, because it's a 16-team league, my starting defense is the Packers, and they're playing Arizona, and Seattle's playing Jacksonville. Mm-hmm. And and know, they were a good start last week, yeah. last night. And Seattle, frankly. as bad as it's been with Geno Smith, the defense has actually played pretty well. So, um, But I'm just trying to give an example of this minor little thing, but now I'm not going to the waiver wire to pick up a defense this week. I'm getting Seattle, who in a 16-team league, especially with a team like the Ravens, who I'm sure is rostered by somebody, is probably looking there at the buy. And if you're looking ahead to buys for you don't have buys this week, maybe you got a Lion, a Seahawk, a Buck, or a member of the Washington football team that are on buys next week. So maybe you're looking ahead to get that backup quarterback, for instance, if you're rolling out Tom Brady as your weekly starter and only carrying that one QB now. So those are the little things, the Sunday morning pickups, using the IR spots to their fullest capabilities. I'm not saying cheat. If your league rules allow it, then use them. That's all I'm saying. So. I'll, I'll add this to it, too. I mean, you can time that right, too, where if you're dropping a player, they don't become available again uh, to anyone else. There's there's a certain logic to that if you're looking to the f- week future, too, uh, knowing how long a player sits on waivers. Absolutely. Anything else on the waiver wire before we take our first real sneak peek at the slate for week eight here? Nah, I think again, no, look for next week. No doubt about it there. I mean, some week eight matchups we're going to be keeping our eyes on. I mean, AJ Brown, I really, I've been doing a little, a little bit digging on him. He's going to be talking about him on the radio this week. He's going against the Colts. I love receivers going against the Washington football team in general. So uh, I'm always looking, who's got Washington this week? Oh, Denver, and they got Jerry Judy coming back and uh, Cortland Sutton. So tight ends continue to rake against the Texans. I mean, you go back and we're looking at the last few weeks here and, oh, dialing up some Tyler Higby, quarterbacks versus KC, even Daniel Jones. Maybe he's a streamer option this week. So 
those are just some of the little trends and stuff. But uh, James, as we look at the slate, we only have the two teams on a bye. That we're done with London games. We got a pretty uh, a dandy on Thursday night. I mean, it sucks Devonte Adams is out, but Green Bay at Arizona, pretty solid start to the week. And then we get into really uh, back to normal schedule. Eight one p.m. Eastern games on Sunday. The big headliner in that early slate, uh, really. Very well could be the Tennessee at the Colts game. I mean, the Colts, if they lose this game, they're more than three games out. Uh, Pittsburgh and Cleveland battling for the seller there in the AFC North. I'll be keeping our eyes on that. And then four, four o'clock game. So the Chargers and the Patriots, a big it's an one. interesting one. Yeah, a big one there. And Tampa Bay at New Orleans favored by five. Primetime matchup, Dallas at Minnesota. On Sunday Night Football, we got the Giants and the Chiefs. And despite as bad as they've looked, the Chiefs return an airhead, a 10-point favorite right now against those New York football giants. How about this? The Chiefs at home are the same spread that the Bengals <laughs> on the road are. It doesn't matter where or who. If I'd have told you that before week one, you would have told me I was on the gas. It was interesting because I I was reading Peter King's Monday morning quarterback. And, and after this Bengal uh, weekend here, I mean, I was reading everything I could on Monday. It was like the greatest yes, day ever. And uh, <laughs> Brent. Uh, Peter King was talking about asking Brent Musburger, who, as you know, is retired to Vegas with VEASAN and doing all of his spreads and stuff. And just the thought that who would have thought at the beginning of the season, the odds on favor to win the Super Bowl and the last team. I mean, the only team the Bengals had less odds to make it to win the Super Bowl was it was the Lions. Mm -hmm. And now if all teams were both healthy and playing on a neutral field, they were both were speculating who would be favored. And they both agreed it'd be the Bengals. That's crazy. It's like, what a crazy world we live in. Uh, yeah, and that's just the NFL uh, for you in a nutshell, really. is you just, That's what they want. You don't know what you're going to get. And, uh, you know, the Chiefs are certainly uh, a team that it's just been a guessing game really all season. So uh, later in the week on the show, we'll break down some of our marquee matchups. We'll give you our survivor picks, the bets we like, uh, and everything else. Of course, insiderfootball.com. That's our website. You can uh, check out our DFS optimizer, all the in-season regular uh, season tools for season long over there as well. And of course, the home of the podcast anytime. And uh, one of our things we got going on at insiderfootball.com is our partnership with Thrive Fantasy this season. We got the prop shop going on over there, but uh, it's really good. Thrive Fantasy with their $50,000 guaranteed contest for week eight. It's $20 to enter. First place takes home 10 grand. And with Thrive Fantasy, you can eliminate the countless hours of research. Focus only on the top tier athletes that have the biggest impact on the game. They're giving you a 100% instant deposit bonus match up to $100 plus free entry. That's right, free entry into Sunday's $50,000 contest. When you sign up with the promo code FANTISTICS at Thrive Fantasy, go check it out there. You can play against many of us uh, each weekend. and. James, uh, last week, it, it was back to the good side of things for me. I, I retook the lead in our poll here. We uh, both picked our props as we you do. You better have. As we do every week. And uh, you did get one right. The one that I also had written down, by the way. Mm. Um, and I got two right. So I didn't beat you bad, but that was enough for me to take it. Uh, you lost on Derrick Henry's over 115 rushing yards. He ended up with 86. You won on Tom Brady's under 312 passing yards, 211. They missed it by 100 yards. Good job there. <laughs> and uh, you, your Sterling Shepard bet was scratched, so we had to go to your ice pick, which was over 310 and a half passing yards for Patrick Mahomes and 208 there. So 
For me, I had Leonard Fournette for 100 points over 60 and a half rushing yards, 81 total there. I did go under the half a rushing touchdown on Lamar Jackson. He did not score. And I lost on Robert Woods under five and a half catches. He had six. Of course he did. So uh, with that, I've gained the lead 630 to 570 on the season. And I will take the first pick for the first time in like a month here on the show because you've been kicking my butt or at least I've been that terrible. But I'm going to go with this, James. We'll start us off. We're each going to pick a three plus a nice pick from this week's prop slate over there at Thrive Fantasy. And I'm going to start. I'm going to go Ezekiel Elliott. It's only 90 points, but now that I'm in the lead, I don't have to be quite as aggressive. 90 points over 91 and a half total yards. That's rushing plus receiving yards. And I was just looking at some game logs before the show today. Joe Mixon, Nick Chubb, DeAndre Swift, the three best running backs that the team has faced this season. And uh, all of them have achieved this feat versus the Vikings. Elliott has actually reached 91 and a half total yards and uh, or more in five straight games. He's also broken that mark in two or three versus Minnesotans career including 114 total yards a year ago. So I'll go on the board. I'm going Zeke Elliott over, easily over the 91 and a half total yards. I can't believe you didn't go A.J. Brown, which is exactly where I thought you were going, and I'm going to go there right now. There's another one I might like even a little better, but I'm afraid you're going to take it, so I'm taking it off the board. I'm going to take A.J. Brown over 73 and a half total receiving yards. It's an even prop, 100 either way. And I'm going to, I'm going to give it to you like this, Dan. That's become a two-headed monster, and if you try to stop Derrick Henry, you know what they're going to do? They're going to throw it to A.J. Brown. Now, look, there's a chance that Tennessee wipes Indianapolis off the map this week, but there hasn't. It, it, Julio Jones hasn't shown enough health for me that I still believe A.J. Brown is the clear-cut number one in that offense, and if you try to stop King Henry, A.J. Brown's going to do it to you. A.J. Brown over 73 and a half. Yeah, I had it on my list. It just did. It wasn't first. So I, I guess I shouldn't have teased that so much before. I did sort of call that one out, didn't I? I, I, I didn't, you did. You I, put that one out there, and there I was, said, if he's was not no, taking it one, no, I'm taking it. There was no bluff to my game. All right, that's all right. I got a couple <laughs> others I like. I'll take a little bit of a chance on my next one. I'm going to go Matthew Stafford here. Under the 290 and a half passing yards versus the Texans for 105 points. So plus 105. And, uh, I mean, this one's pretty simple, James. And it worked a week ago with Tom Brady, and I've been trending it, and it's working very well in general. But I don't think he's going to have to pass that much. He's failed to Mm -hmm. get to 291 passing yards in three of his six contests, or his three of his last six, I should say. Four straight quarterbacks in five of the last six to face Houston has failed to reach 290 yards. And it's just too hard for me to see the Rams, who are 14-point favorites, throwing for all four quarters. I'm putting this one on the board as pick two. Matthew Stafford going under that mark. Solid day for him. Just won't be a blow-up day with not many attempts late in the game. Not a problem with me. I like that one a ton. So I'll get there right there with you. I'm going to go to Alvin Kamara. Um, we saw what we saw on Sunday – or excuse me, Monday Night Football, and that was 100-plus receiving yards from Kamara, but not a ton of rushing yards. Tampa Bay is a team that struggles – that teams struggle to run against, I should say. And so 80 yards, I don't see Alvin Kamara rushing for 80 yards. And we both know that he could do it on one play. That's certainly possible. But I think 105 points to take the under 79 and a half total rushing yards. I like that one quite a bit. I love the fact that I'm getting a little juice at 105 too. Not too shabby. I'll wrap it up going a little who day. I'm going to go Joe Mixon over the half a rushing touchdown versus the Jets. This is Joe Mixon's game. Maybe a little Samaj AP, Ryan. They're going to be running and running and running. 
And the Jets have the most rushing touchdowns scored two running backs all season long. They've given up 10, including four a week ago, by the way. Uh, and on top of that, Mixon, I mean, I know people, were, you know, he's been a little quiet, but he scored a f- touchdown now in four straight games, a rushing touchdown yep. in three of his last four contests. He might get two in this one, James. It feels too easy for me, but I'll take the over 90 points. Mr. Mixon's running for a tutty this week. I like everything you've got in line so far. I, I think I'm going to step out here and take an, what I presume to be an easy one as my number three. I'm going to take Jimmy Garoppolo. The number is 0.5 for total interceptions. I remember what those Bears did to Joe Burrow. I know that Jimmy Garoppolo is on thin ice. I'm going to say he's going to throw that interception. I'm going to go over the .5. It's only 75 points, but as opposed to reaching for 105 points that I don't get like every other week where my third one's been a swing and a miss, I'm going to play a little cash game strategy, if you will, here, and I'll take that one. All right. So we don't even need uh, another but one more pick because we've we've got we, – you haven't stepped on my toes. I've got – that means i got an extra pick here because – I'm going to stick to the game we were talking about before with A.J. Brown. The Colts on the other side of it. I'm going to go with Michael Pittman over five and a half receptions. 105 points, so I'm looking for the score here. It's just the ice pick anyway, so why not take some risk? But the reality of it is, is Tennessee has allowed eight wide receivers to have six or more catches this season. Pittman failed to get that mark in the last two, but he did it in four straight games prior to that. And with the total at 50 points, Indy currently an underdog. Game flow favors him. Won't have to worry about the weather conditions of a week ago in the Dome. Everything checks, checks, and checks. I like the value in this one, James. I'm going with the Colts wide out to have a nice day. I think I'm going to go Najee Harris here. The number's 80.5 total rushing yards. I'm going to go under for my ice pick. That gives me 90. It's a slight uh, a lesser number there. He's only eclipsed that number twice. Now, granted, those... Two times have been the most recent two times out, but I expect the Browns, especially if Baker doesn't go, which seems like what to expect, but we don't know that for sure. But this game gets played low, low scoring, tight to the vest. And if that's the case, while they may have opportunities to keep feeding Najee, I'll assume that that front for the Browns is up to the task enough to hold him under 80 yards, even if he does get going in the passing game. That was the other one I had written down, dude, under 80 and a half for the same reasons you said. I mean, yes, he's done it in two straight. He wasn't even close in the first four, and Cleveland hasn't allowed a single rusher all year to get more than 71 rushing yards. So uh, I like it too, buddy, but I'm glad it's your ice pick so you won't get any points for it as long as everybody (laughs) plays. That's all the time we got for now. It's always fun talking football with you. We do it every Tuesday night here on the podcast, so be sure to get it anytime along with all the tools to win in DFS and season long over at insiderfootball.com. Go check out Thrive Fantasy. Use the promo code FANTISTICS when you sign up. Get that match bonus up to $100 and play in the games versus us. And, of course, tune in Saturday, 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. Eastern. We'll be there with Fantistics Insider Football on Sirius XM Fantasy Sports Radio. Good luck. Enjoy your games this week. James and I will be back next time. Until then, we'll see you here whenever you do return on the Fantastics Insider Football Podcast.